0: Oh, do I lift up my Kids we can get. And if you think you're a kid, you're welcome to come on down too. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you are here tonight and you did not have the opportunity to protect the Lord's Supper this morning, if you want to make your way to the little chapel, uh, somebody will uh, take care of that for you and serve you at this time. <clears throat> All right, books of the Bible. we got to be real loud tonight so they can hear us. You ready? Genesis, Exodus. Ex, Leviticus, Numbers 3, verse verse 3. it's time for us to go and get started as you can tell uh we've got a significant number of folks at camp i understand that uh, everything is going smoothly so far but i guess it has to up to this point doesn't it uh, they'll have a great week i know and we want to continue to pray for uh, the success of all those that are at camp for their safety and that they'll learn much just a couple of updates uh if you want to help with the baby shower for Lauren Brumley, there's going to be a meeting next Sunday in the Little Chapel following the morning service. Also, please remember next Sunday is our fifth Sunday contribution, and uh, it will go toward capital improvements. The Golden Circle breakfast that normally takes place tomorrow has been moved to Thursday, Thursday the 27th. And the reason is, is because we're going to go to Agnews in Baldwin for that breakfast, and the bus will leave at 830. Also, I want to remind any of you who want to go to the gospel meeting at Berea tomorrow that the bus will leave by the annex at 630. We'd love to have a good number to go and be a part of that. That's all the announcements that I have tonight. Before we dismiss to our classes, will you please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all you do for us. We're thankful for all the blessings, uh, physical, material, as well as spiritual, Father. We pray for those who are at Maywood this week and other Christian camps. We pray that uh, all those from here will have an excellent week, that uh, they will remain healthy, that they will grow spiritually, and they will grow uh, closer to one another as they spend the week together. Father, we ask your continued blessings upon all those that are sick. There are many that we know of, Please be with those and those that are administering to their needs. And Father, we ask that you would continue to bless those who continue to grieve over the loss of loved ones. Father, we ask that you bless us in our Bible study tonight. May we endeavor to apply what we learn to our lives so that we can be better servants of you. Father, all these things we ask in your son's name, we pray. Amen. All right. Let's sing to Canaan's land as our teachers go to class. First verse. To Canaan's <laughs> land, land. That's too loud, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm in a new position tonight. Uh, usually I'm a three or four rows down, but somebody moved me up even closer. Then I decided to move two or three rows back, so we compromised tonight, right? I'm not as far back as somebody had me probably, but I'm a little further back too, so we're not just going to be crowding each other, but I want to thank you folks for being here tonight. I appreciate it very much. I know it's been a busy uh, day for several of you, having got your uh, youth off to camp and others as well. And uh, uh, I'm just glad that we can uh, be here tonight to study God's Word and to uh, continue our study on marriage. We've got tonight and next Sunday night, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to uh, close out our uh, topic on marriage by emphasizing our marriage vows as soon as we get done with this particular lesson that I'm working on. I think that's just a good way to, to close out of what we've been saying about marriage. Now, in this particular lesson that we are having on marriage, uh, we first talked about the proper foundation. And what's the proper foundation for a good marriage? Anybody off the top of your head? What? God. We need God. All right. God needs to be the foundation. Any, 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 any marriage that's not built upon that spiritual foundation is certainly not off to a good start and is destined to probably uh, end very quickly. You've got to have the right foundation. We talked about in this lesson how to lay the foundation and how to go about uh, making that firm foundation possible. And then we talked about, in this particular lesson, a healthy physical relationship, and we spent some time on that. Then we spent quite a bit of time talking about communication and uh, how communication is vitally important if we want to have a successful marriage. And then we began talking about some attitudes, attitudes that are a must if we want our marriages to be successful. And we talked about forgiveness. We spent some time on what forgiveness is and what forgiveness involves. And then uh, we talked about other attitudes that we need to possess as well. And the attitude that we are concluding with tonight after talking about uh, selflessness and talking about encouraging one another is the attitude that we need to have in regard to trust. We need a trusting attitude. Uh, That's going to lead to a happy marriage. You know, we live in a chaotic world today, don't we? Uh, We live in a world, I think we would all agree, of tremendous uncertainty. And uh, I wouldn't recommend you spend a whole lot of time watching the news. You will get discouraged, won't you? Uh, When you see what's going on in our world and what's happening Uh, certainly are gone the days of Andy Griffith, right? You know, when everybody was like they were in those days. Those days are past and gone. We live in the most populated time in the history of our world, and yet this is the most lonely time in the history of our world. Uh, More people are lonely now than they ever have been, even though we are the most crowded. But this attitude of being able to trust is very important. And really, I'm primarily talking about trusting God. I think that's the primary thing that I'm leading to. We've already talked about faithfulness to one another and the importance of trust between spouses, but trusting God is so very important. To me, one of the greatest examples of trust is what we find in Job chapter 13, verse 15. Job made an amazing statement. Now, you recall what happened to Job, right? Job lost everything. He lost all of his possessions. His children died in a catastrophe. Uh, Everybody just seemed to turn against him. Even his own wife told him to curse God and die. Do what? Oh, yeah, that's just a small thing. He lost his health. I mean, he lost... Everything you could think about losing, he lost it. But Job made a powerful statement in Job 13, verse 15. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I have a hard time understanding that particular statement. But what it does is it emphasizes the trust Job had in God. Even though God slays me, somehow I'm still going to trust Him. I'm going to trust that what He wants for good is going to come about. That's just a powerful statement about trusting in God. And trusting in God in our marriages is going to get us through some very difficult times. Uh, How do we define trust? Well, Webster defines trust as an assured reliance upon a person or a confident dependence... Upon the character and the strength of another, that really what trust. That's what trust is all about: assured reliance upon another individual, a confident dependence upon the character and the strength of another. And certainly, when uh, people can trust one another, that says a lot about the character, doesn't it? Uh, when you can trust one another as husband and wife, and you have that unwavering trust. Toward one another, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, is priceless. But when it comes to God, you know, if we can't trust God, everything falls apart, doesn't it? The Bible talks about how God cannot lie in Titus chapter 2. The Bible talks about how God is faithful, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Our God is someone that we can depend on. However, one of the greatest enemies today of a couple's trust in God is worry and anxiety. Now, you know as well as I do today that if we're not careful, our thoughts can be dominated by worry and anxiety. We worry about things that have already happened. We worry about things that are currently taking place. We spend a considerable amount of our time worrying about things that may happen in the future, most of which never will. If we're not careful, we just have our lives dominated by worry and anxiety. And uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 in a few moments and uh, see you know, the Lord's answer to that particular problem. And uh, the Bible instructs Christians, as opposed to word anxiety, the Bible exhorts Christians to rejoice in the Lord. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. And yet, the one thing that can rob a Christian of true joy and happiness is worry and anxiety. Uh, As I told you, uh, I believe I told you this, uh, Sister Mabel Myers, who passed from this life uh, back in 2003... Uh, That's been over 20 years ago. Uh, A dear friend of mine, an older lady that uh, passed away with cancer, and the last few months she lived upon this earth was one of peace, and uh, she went around with a smile on her face, and she encouraged everybody with her words, even though she knew her condition was terminal. Uh, She asked me on numerous occasions, Doug, what were you worried about six months ago? well, I can't remember what I was worried about six months ago. Think about that. What were you worried about six months ago? Can you remember? Hmm. Well, what does that mean about what was going on six months ago? Wasn't too important, was it, right? It wasn't all that important. And so, uh, we just got to have the understanding that God is in control, God is in charge, and God knows what's Best for each of us. You know, there was an insurance commercial several years ago on television, and this insurance commercial had an egg, you know, rolling slowly toward the edge of a table. And as that egg rolled to the edge of the table and began to fall in slow ma- motion to the hard floor below to be destroyed, you know, in the fall a deep, dark voice came over the airway. It's an insurance commercial. It says, when your whole family is in jeopardy. you know." And right before that egg hit the ground, I mean, right when you knew it was just about to, to go kapui, two hands reached out and caught that egg and kept it from being destroyed. Well, our relationship with God is a lot like that. We need to understand that when we're up on that table... God says, I want you to jump. I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. I want you to be faithful no matter what happens in life, no matter what problems can't come up in life, whether they be financial or personal or family problems. I want you to be willing to jump off that table in trust to me and know that those hands are going to be there. Now, you're not going to be able to see those hands when you first jump. You know, when you do what God says and put your faith and trust in God, you're not going to see how this is going to turn out. You can't look through a crystal ball and see how all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, as Romans 8.28 says, right? You put your trust in God, and that verse says, all things good and bad work together for good to them that love the Lord. And so trusting God is a lot easier said than done, isn't it? You know, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because so many times we want to handle things on our own rather than just put it into God's hands and trust Him. And I really admire people that have mastered that concept that they can really and truly put their trust in God because all of us have found ourselves in circumstances in this life and situations that just seem so overwhelming, don't they? It just seems like, you know, it's about to swallow us up. We don't see any way out. And I admire those people that are able to say, hey, let's just trust in God and see how things work out. And just like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, things do work out. Things that maybe we couldn't see how they were going to work out, they do work out. And so uh, we need to understand that a married couple, if they're going to uh, really be happy, then they're going to have to put their trust in God and realize that anxiety will rob Christians of their peace. Now, I think the Scriptures assist a married couple in winning over worry, and winning over anxiety in several ways. First of all, we need to develop a close relationship with God. The Bible says, draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. You know, I know when I was uh, teaching the class to the teens on morality... One of the first things I stress to them is you just don't need to accept the fact that certain principles are right and certain principles are wrong, and some things are morally acceptable and some things are morally wrong, and you don't need to look at just the statistics, the statistics themselves and know that you know living an immoral life is going to lead to a lot of heartache and pain. You know, it's one thing to to see the facts and go by the facts, I encourage them to have a strong relationship with God. You have a strong relationship with God. You build that relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. And you do everything you can uh, to be in a close relationship with Him because that's the key, you know. Uh, When you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the primary reason you don't want to sin is because you don't want to hurt God, right? You don't want to disappoint God. It's not the fact that it's more logical to live for God. It's more logical to do right. The reason you want to do what's right is because that's what God wants, and, and, and living in a sinful way hurts God. That's the reason why you want to have a relationship with God. And that's what we need to try to develop, a relationship with God that emphasizes you know, meditation and prayer and a Bible study, growing closer to God, uh, adding the fruits of the Spirit to our lives. It's a diligent daily effort uh, to become more like Jesus every single day. And of course, as I've said before, uh, I don't know if I've said it in this setting before, But I think our goal as Christians today doesn't need to focus so much on going to heaven when this life is over. That's way out there, right? That's somewhere down the road. Uh, It's more tangible, as the Hebrew writer said, remember what he said? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where our focus needs to be. In other words, instead of focusing my attention on, you know, I want to go to heaven, that's the end result, that's way down the road it seems like. I need to focus right now, today, on being more like Jesus, on the process. I need, as I get up tomorrow morning, to make sure that I'm going to be more like Jesus in my attitude, in the words that I speak, in my demeanor. And you see, if we are involved in the process, right... Focusing on Jesus, being more like Jesus than what happens down the road. Takes care of itself, doesn't it? Everything just takes care of itself. And so, we need to try, if we can, to establish a close relationship with God. You know, Paul had that relationship with God. He said, I know whom I have believed in, and and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So, A Christian couple, if they want to overcome worry and win the victory over worry, you need to develop a relationship with God. Secondly, you need to learn to live one day at a time. Now, the Bible emphasizes over and over again in Matthew chapter 6, tomorrow's got enough problems of its own, right? i got enough to take care of today. Let tomorrow take care of itself. I need to just look at the problems that I've got today because if I start looking at tomorrow, what happens to me? I get overwhelmed, don't I? There is simply no way that I can accomplish everything i got accomplished accomplish in my life today, right? I've got to somehow, you know, do everything that needs to be done today. I know uh, my son, Philip; he's a captain of the Marine Corps now. I like to use him as an example in this. I know when uh, he was going to officer candidate school, or I should say before that, when he was in the ROTC program and uh, went to Auburn. I said that word, didn't I? Well, anyhow, sorry. Uh, anyhow, Auburn's a great school. It's a really good school. He got an outstanding education, but uh, that's the only school that uh, had the Marine Corps option. And I, I love the school that he was in. Just to, you know. Anyhow, let's just get back to what my illustration is. Well, you know, you're, you're walking through. Here you are, a beginning person in the ROTC. And it just seems overwhelming, all that you've got to learn and all that you've got to do. It just seems like you'll never get it done. I said, "Uh, son, you're not going to be an officer today. You know, it's not going to happen today. You know, you'll go to school four years and, you know, you're you're in the best ROTC program, bar none, you know, in the country. And uh, they'll prepare you for what you need to prepare for when the time comes. You'll be ready to fulfill all the responsibilities that you've got to do. And sometimes, you know, that's our approach to life, right? We think we've got to get it all done, we've got to have it all right just right now instead of realizing that, you know, I just need to take care of today. I've got my responsibilities to fulfill today. And uh, once I do that, then I can move on and tackle the things I need to tackle the next day. And so, learn to live one day at a time, as uh, Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6. Also, The third point I want to make in regard to uh, a trusting attitude is unequivocally trust in the promises of God. Has God ever lied? Can you find just one instance throughout history where God failed to keep a promise? Can you find one? Can you name one? No. Uh, We could spend days just talking about the promises of God, couldn't we? And how we need to trust in those promises. Uh, one of those promises I've already referred to in Romans 8 and verse 28, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Is that right or wrong? Well, it's true. You know, Through God's providence today, I, I, you know, I can't see how things are going to work out. Uh, God is not allowing me to determine how this event or how that event or that circumstance is going to turn out. I put my trust in God, and I know that. I know that God is faithful. Uh, what are some of the promises of God that we can trust in today? Anybody got any thoughts on that? Any particular promise that's special to you, that you really focus on? Anybody? Salvation? Salvation? What about what, What's the promise there, JT? Alright, if we're obedient to Him, we'll be saved. You now, If I doubted that promise, I, I couldn't sleep at night, right? Knowing that my salvation wasn't sure. The Bible says our salvation is sure and steadfast. What else? What other promises? Anybody else got one? That's a good one. That's a good one. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. You know, I don't know if a lot of people believe that like they ought to. But the person that gives, that person is going to be blessed richly. And I can assure you, you know, if you shovel it out, God's like, God's got a lot bigger shovel than you've got. Right? He's got a lot bigger shovel than you've got, and He'll shovel it right back and more. You're going to be blessed if you sacrificially give. Excellent point. Uh, I don't think sometimes we believe that like we should, but it's true. Uh, God's never... You know, allowed, you know, seen his seed begging bread, you know, as, as David said. Anybody else? Is there one that's special to you? Ephesians 6 and eight. Ephesians what? 6 and 8. What is it? Whatever good thing you do for people, God will give back to you. Okay? Anybody else? All right. He's never going to destroy the earth by. A flood again. How do we know that? The rainbow. That's been taken from us. I want to take it back. I want to take it back from LGBTQ, right? I call that let God be true and quit sinning. That's my definition. That's my, how I break LGBTQ down. Let God be true and quit sinning. But, you know, the, the, the rainbow is ours, right? It's ours. Uh, it means that God's promises are sure. And really, in a reversal there, it's a symbol of God's justice too, isn't it? God will destroy the world one day again by fire, right? And uh, that rainbow, you know, can, you know, we can look at that as well. Anybody else? I like Romans 8 and verse 1. There is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I love that passage, right? I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, Hebrews 13 verse 5. That's an excellent promise, right? That's right. Or uh, John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled, right? Why did he say let not your heart be troubled? Well, you know, the disciples previous to that were having some problems and difficulties. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I do that, what's going to happen? I will come again. He is going to come again. Now, we could just go on and on with the promises of God. And I need to learn to trust in those promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? All these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6 and verse 33. So, huh? Yeah. That's right. right. He's going to provide the necessity. So we need to trust in God. The next point is, we need to pray to God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It does much Good. So I need to develop, we need to develop a close relationship with God if we're going to overcome worry. Uh, Number two, we need to learn to live one day at a time. Number three, we need to unequivocally trust in the promises of God. Number four, we need to be willing to pray to God. Uh, The Bible says in Philippians 4 and verse 6 do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. To summarize it, don't worry about anything it says, pray about everything. Right? We need to pray. We need to spend time in prayer. And uh, of course, uh, all these things are easier said than done. Now in Matthew chapter 6, and I don't know if I'm just going to take a lot of time to uh, look at that, but uh, look at Matthew chapter 6 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 6, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to look down about verse 32. I like to get it on my phone because I can read it better. It seems like. Okay? Jesus teaches some things about worry. i got five little points here. If you want to write these down, I didn't have time. Next time I do this class, I'm going to have all this in detail on the PowerPoint. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 24-34, first of all, worry is unnecessary. If you look at verse 32, it says, For the Gentiles... Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. There's no need for us to worry. It's unnecessary. Jesus knows what we need. God's aware of our needs. He's going to provide those needs. Secondly, worry is prohibited. If you look back up at verse uh, 25, the Bible says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He gives some examples. He talks about the birds of the air, doesn't he? You know? Have you ever seen a, a squirrel that was all upset because that squirrel didn't have enough nuts saved up for two winters instead of one? Never has, right? You know, birds, you always say that, uh, well, so and so, they eat like a bird. What does that mean? What do we mean when we say that? You eat like a bird. Don't eat much, do you? You know, birds eat on the average of six times their weight a day. They eat a lot. Birds eat a lot. They eat a whole lot. I I need to say that differently. They eat six times more than what we would normally eat based upon body ratio. In other words, birds don't just they they got a big appetite. Birds eat a lot. And if God takes care of the birds, He'll take care of us. Uh, we worry about things we shouldn't worry about. We worry about, you know, is it going to do any good for you to worry about how tall you are? Are you going to change it? Huh? Man, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about uh, my statue or anything like that. And uh, I don't need to worry about these things. So worry is unnecessary. Number two, it's prohibited. If you look at verse 27... Worry is futile. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Uh, uh, are you concerned about clothing? He said, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil, neither do they spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It's, it's futile to worry. It's, you're wasting your time. It's like being in a rocking chair, right? You'll do a lot of moving, but you won't get anywhere. You know? Uh, we don't need to worry. And then, verse 32, he talks about worry being worldly. He said, The Gentiles seek after such things. We're different from the world, aren't we? We're different from how people of the world think in regard to what's important and uh, uh, what really ought to be emphasized. You know, people in the world think we're crazy. They think we've lost our mind if we're not putting our job and being financially secure and all these things is our number one priority in life. Uh, We're different. We understand this world is not our home. Our values uh, are different from those in the world. What we think is important is different from what the world thinks is important. And so uh, worrying and being anxious is worldly. And then verse 30, it's faithless. Uh, Verse 30 says here, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so, worry is faithless. And so, these are some reasons why that we ought not to worry. Now, I want to close uh, this particular lesson uh, by saying, when God is part of a marriage... Physically and spiritually, when he's a part of the attitudes that we possess, the husband and wife is going to be assured of a happy marital relationship. Because after all, as we emphasize, as we begin this particular lesson in Psalms 127 and verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. All right, anybody got any comments or questions on this lesson before we move on? Anything y'all want to add to it? Feel free to speak up. We've got about 15 minutes left. and got just enough time to introduce uh, our thoughts on what I want to do beginning now and finishing up next week. Anything y'all want to add? All right. I want to talk about, and I hope we have enough time to do it. I think we will. I want to talk about our marriage vows. Uh, You know, this man heard this speech at work, and uh, it was on about, you know, keeping the marriage romance alive. You know, he, he, he heard this speech about how you need to keep on courting your wife. And he stopped on the way home and he got flowers and candy. And he went home and he rang the doorbell. He, he didn't go in just like he always did. He rang the doorbell and his wife answered and said, Darling, I love you. You know, will you go out and have dinner with me tonight? And she said, what a day. The baby's cried all day. The three-year-old was playing in the garbage can and made a big mess. The, the plumbing in the kitchen's been leaking again, and now you're com- coming home drunk. You know? Uh, you know, it was just unexpected. So let's talk about marriage and our marriage vows. And I, I want to emphasize that for just a moment. I think when you think about marriage vows, that's somewhat an unusual subject, but we need to realize that marriage is a very important institution. Uh, did you realize that marriage is the oldest institution in the entire world? It is. Uh, it goes all the way back you know, to the early morning of time, back to the Garden of Eden, back to the time of Adam and Eve, and if you look at Genesis 2 and verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone, I will make and help meet for him. And then down in verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now I want us to understand tonight that marriage is not an institution for Christians only. Instead, it's for people of all time, of all nations, of all races, from the very beginning of the world. And God's law concerning marriage doesn't just apply to Christians. It applies to all people of all time. Uh, Marriage was instituted before anything else was. And therefore, the laws of God concerning marriage must be... Respected now, think with me for just a minute we live in a very changing world, don't we? Uh, we live in a world that is changing so rapidly. This is 2023. If I were to go back let's say 10 years to 2013 and you would have told me 10 years that we're having the issues that we're dealing with now, I would have said you lost your mind you lost now. Certainly, we may head that way somewhat, Dave. That's, you know, we're probably going to head that way, but to get here so rapidly, you know, it took decades. It took decades for people to even begin to look at the possibility that gay marriage might be acceptable, right? But now what's happened? Now it's, I mean, we're going downhill so fast, uh, we can't stop it. Everything is just now being accepted at a rapid pace. It doesn't take decades anymore for something to be accepted. Uh, It can happen overnight, and that's because of social media and things of that nature. And so, we live in a changing world, a world that's changing so rapidly. And uh, many of the moral and ethical standards that that once graced the beautiful institution of marriage have eroded. And uh, these negative changes in our world, the erosion of moral principles have affected the stability of the home and caused the home as God would have it to be in great jeopardy. Uh, in the year 1890, I believe I've got this written down right, the year 1890, which is what? 130, 120, 133 years ago, is that right? That's right, isn't it? Okay, 133 years ago in this country, did you realize there were only 5,000 divorces in this country. That's it. 5,000. In the year 1976, there was just 1 million divorces, which is a whole lot, but not nearly what we're having today. Uh, let me see here if I can even read what I'm saying here. Uh, I know today, as many as two out of three marriages end and divorce. By the way, I've got this on PowerPoint. I, forgot, I think I forgot to email it in. But I'll have it up next week for you, okay? Sorry about that. But the point I'm trying to make is look how divorce has become more and more prevalent. Y'all heard of Gus Nichols, had not you? The great preacher from uh, Walker County. Uh, Gus Nichols made the statement one time that he was 18 years old before he ever met a person that was divorced. Right? You know, I started seeing how things were changing when my kids began, you know, at age five or six, playing softball and baseball and basketball. and You know, you'd have these team meetings. And I began to notice more and more of these kids had parents that weren't married or they were single parents. And uh, that just seemed to get increased more and more as they got older. That's the kind of world we live in today. Uh, Cardinal Cardinal Gibbons, in his famous book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, mentioned one of the main reasons for the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, Here's what he said. He said, it was the rapid increase in divorce and the undermining of the dignity and the sanctity of the home, which is the basis of society. He said that's one of the main reasons for the decline of the Roman Empire. And that scares me a little bit, right, when you think about our country. You know, the rapid increase in divorce, the undermining of the dignity and the sanctity of the home, which is the basis of society. You know, for the first time in our history, I think it was uh, two years ago that uh, the traditional family became the minority. Only 48%, you know, mom and dad and the kids. And, of course, we continue to uh, progress toward that uh, direction. And you see, that not only caused that Roman Empire to fall, it will cause our own nation to stumble as well. And and this idea about the problems of divorce, it's a problem in our nation, I recognize that. But we've also got to open up our eyes and understand this is a growing problem in the church of our Lord as well. And uh, this is something that, that we need to consider and open up our eyes and understand. And I'm just convinced that all of us need more teaching on this subject. We need to stress what the Bible says on this subject, which is what we've tried to do for the most part in these series of lessons. And I think we need to teach kindly and yet boldly what the Bible says about marriage and the marriage relationship. I think we need to begin spending a lot more time than we do talking to our young people about marriage. I think a lot of times our young people today go into their marriages not really understanding what's involved. Uh, they don't really don't understand you know, what they're getting into. Uh, you know, The average marriage today lasts just a little over six years. You think about people that spend thousands of dollars on a wedding. And then for it to be over after six years, somebody better be getting a refund. So I got to say. Uh, you know, if that happens. Go ahead, Marilyn. Now, can you speak up? Because I got that air conditioner I'm trying to hear over. Hold, on, I'm coming back there so I can hear you. I can't hear you. Sorry. Go ahead. I said I around and I see. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Marilyn says she sees a lot of, she, she knows divorce is prominent in uh, the world today and in the church, but she sees more and more women uh, in the church without a husband. Did I get that right? And that, that can be a problem. That, uh, huh? All right. That's a good point. Our, their husbands don't come with them. Okay. And what's wrong with that? Well, the man's the spiritual leader of the house, right? If he can't spiritually lead his home, I don't care what kind of provisions that he makes for his family, he's not really a success in any way unless he's leading his family spiritually. Uh, that falls square uh, on the husband and his responsibility. That's, what, that's really why the home's in the position that it's in today, is because men have not had the backbone they need to have had and you know, stood strong and, and led the family the way it needs to go sometimes. It, it's squarely upon the man. Uh, And, of course, in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, it squarely felt on men's shoulders to take the lead and making sure that our family stays strong for God. All right. So, what I want to do, well, I was talking about young people, weren't I, Uh, before uh, Marilyn's comment, which is very good, by the way, Marilyn. It's worth coming back there for. It was. Anyhow, we need to tell our young people and un- make sure our young people understand this is a commitment that you're making. It's to last as long as the two shall live. This is not something that you can just abandon. You know, the boat of matrimony when it gets to rocking a little bit, you just can't go overboard and end it. Some people want to do that, right? They want to, rather than, you know, work to work things out and fight to make things work out, just better to give it up and start over. can't do that. Uh, we need to counsel our young people. Uh, that that young couple needs to agree to sit down and talk about the importance and the permanence of marriage. They need to understand, you know, this is a lifetime commitment. It's to last as long as the two shall live. And so what I want to do is introduce this part tonight. Next week we'll go into more detail about it. I want to look at the marriage vows themselves. Now, of course, in every society these vows may be different. Maybe what constitutes a marriage in another society may be different. But I want to think about some of the things that we may say traditionally, some of the vows that we take in marriage today in this country. Uh, Think about this. I'm I'm going to repeat these real quick. Wilt thou have this woman to be your wedded wife, to live together after God's holy law in the estate of matrimony, Will you love her, comfort her, honor her, keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep you only unto her so long as you both shall live. I take you to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. According to God's holy law, I pledge you my faith. And unless people can think about what they're saying, unless they can think about the commitments that they're making and are willing to undertake such commitments, they shouldn't even consider marriage itself. And so beginning next Sunday night, Sunday evening, our last lesson, I want us to take the time, and I think we can finish all this, hopefully, I want to talk about these marriage vows in more detail. I want to break down these vows and and point out what these things emphasize and the principles that are there that are biblical and that ought to guide our lives. And so, that's what I'm going to plan on doing, Lord willing, next Sunday. And I hope that's going to be okay with y'all because that's what we're going to try to do. All right. if anybody has any closing comments or questions, uh, some of the people are coming back in from class. Why don't we close out with a prayer? Bow with me. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all You do for us. We're thankful for this opportunity that we've had to, to study Your Word tonight, to look at Your Word and understand the seriousness of the commitment that we need to make to each other as husbands and wives. We pray, Father, for the home. We pray for each home who is Represented here, we pray that our homes will be strengthened, that our homes can glorify you in all things. Again, Father, as we leave this place tonight, please keep us safe. We ask your blessings upon those that are sick, that are being cared for, that need medical attention. We also pray for those that uh, have lost loved ones. And Father, please be with those at camp this week. We pray for their safety. We pray for their spiritual growth. Please bless us as we leave here tonight and it's in Your Son's name that we pray. Amen.